Okay, well, if you're here with us today for the first time, I want to welcome you into the house. Welcome to Antioch Church. My name is Jay Duncan. I have the great privilege of, of leading this incredible body, this incredible house. And a few weeks ago, we ended up changing our name. And today actually is the bookend of our, our eight-week series that we started uh, beginning in October. And uh, what I want to do today is I, I want to just review the past three months for us and connect some dots. I actually spent all day yesterday listening to all the messages uh, that, we, that we've gone through in the beginning of the series. It's actually a really, really good exercise for me to do that. <laughs> I don't know half the stuff that comes out of my mouth sometimes, so it's good to go back and yeah, make sure I'm not saying heresy or anything. <clears throat> But uh, th- there, there is a lot that the Lord is establishing, and I, I realized as I was listening to all of those, to go back and to connect those dots is uh, very, very important. Uh, let, me, let me just kind of back up and let me touch this series from a, from a summary standpoint. The main idea behind what we've been communicating the past seven weeks very simply is this, that in the foundation stones of who Antioch Church is, we want to make sure that something is very, very clear. And that very simply is that Antioch Church exists amongst many things to establish you, to establish people in their sonship, their identity. And we're going to talk a little bit about that relative to some of the messages that went forth before we, we changed the name of the church. To establish people in their sonship. You know, in 2008, the Lord led me on a very, very peculiar and very beautiful journey. Um, if you were here with us in 2008, you might, you might recall that the Lord dropped a very uh, unique assignment on the house, and that was for 90 days, we were to shut everything down and just worship God 24-7. And so in the building that we were in prior to this one, actually it was prior to the building prior to this one, uh, we shut everything down, and uh, we, sometimes we had live worship, sometimes we had canned worship, but our goal was to make sure that there was always somebody and some group of people that were before the presence of the Lord, worshiping him 24-7 for 90 days. Um, at the beginning of that year, the Lord began really <clears throat> messing with me on some things. And uh, he introduced me to a number of books that each of those books led to another. Uh, it started with a book called The Way of the Heart uh, by Henry Nowen. That book, In the Way of the Heart, Henry introduces a thought called uh, their false compulsive self or your pseudo self. And he talks about learning how to embrace the love of God even in those parts of us that we try to create to hide the reality of who we are. And uh, that led me on a journey of creating uh, many, many lists of my false compulsive self and the Lord just putting his finger on those things, healing me with the love of God. And that sent me on a journey throughout all of 2008 to discover the love of the Father and my identity as a son in a way that I've never touched before, although being a Christian for almost all my life. At the end of that year in 2008, um, I found a book called From Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship, which we've introduced into this house and we've preached on a couple years ago, and we'll continue to uh, explore that book. And the Lord was just driving the, the, the heartbeat of who we are as sons and daughters deeper and deeper into me all that year, the 90 days being a very critical component of that, because it was just me, him, and altar. And uh, it was as if every day going into that prayer room, he was just unearthing and unpacking and removing things, tenderizing my heart so that I could receive and respond to his love in an authentic way. I say all that to say that 
the spirit of sonship and the revelation of sonship has literally not only changed my life, but I believe it's changed this church. And I believe it's changed my life in this church because I believe it is one of the most important things in this Christian journey that we can come alive with. Uh, If we are not responding to the reality and the love of who God is as a father, everything outside of that becomes about us. Our performance, uh, everything we do is, is done from the skewed sense of trying to find our sense of value and affirmation and worth and identity outside of who he's already called us to be. He's essentially said, listen, I love you for who I am and I love you because you're my sons and my daughters and nothing you can ever do will make me love you more or take that away and so you can be secure and now we can get on with your growth and with your assignment in the kingdom. So our responsibility, our job is to create an atmosphere, is to create environments, is to create a community, a true kingdom community, a covenant community and a community of life and love whereby sonship can come alive inside of us and we can have a safe place where we can grow as sons and daughters. Equal to that, we're also called to equip you in your unique assignment in the kingdom. One of the words that you'll hear around here quite a lot is the word kingdom because we believe that the kingdom of God is the grand central station through which all of the different facets of Christianity flow through. And I've taught on this before. When we make any railroad of Christianity, whether that's eschatology or word of faith or healing or the supernatural or whatever it is, whatever your hot topic is, spiritual warfare, the prophetic, the apostolic, when we make those the grand central station, we always become unbalanced and we get off. And so the kingdom of God is grand central station. So we believe the kingdom of God is Grand Central Station. We believe that our assignment is not to build a great church. We believe that our assignment is to build great people mobilized to advance the kingdom. That's our assignment, to build great people who can establish and advance the kingdom of God on the earth. This is so important because uh, as you've heard me teach multiple times, many times before, the kingdom of God is bigger than the church. The kingdom of God touches the entire created order And when we understand the kingdom, you understand that your position outside of what happens here on Sunday, outside of your leadership or volunteer position, outside of the activity that happens here has incredible value, has incredible worth. And in fact, what you're doing is so essential to the kingdom of God being advanced in all the earth. Okay, so our assignment Our purpose is to establish people in their sonship and to equip them for their assignment in the kingdom so that God's kingdom can come. And when his kingdom comes, things change. Economies, education, government, things change. And we're talking about this hostile takeover. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like leaven, Matthew 13. It's like leaven. The spirit, the attitude, the heart, the the wisdom of the kingdom goes into the fabric of hearts and minds and societies, and it changes us. And it's a beautiful thing. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I, I give myself to this. And, and I'm excited about this. This is something I can give my life for. This is something that I, I can pour all of my heart and soul into. If it were just about building bigger churches, I'd, I'd rather go make a lot of money <laughs> or, or coach basketball. <laughs> but uh, I want to give myself to raising up a people that are going to change the world. The presupposition behind this, very simply, Jeff, you're doing a great job. Just take your time. We'll figure it out. Uh, transformation in the earth realm, which is the entire created order and which is our assignment, transformation, cannot happen without walking in a growing reality of sonship and the kingdom. And that undermines or that underpins uh, all of the messages that have been happening here the past seven weeks. 
Um, let, me, let me summarize all of that with this statement. The kingdom will advance to the degree that you walk in sonship and you walk in your assignment. The kingdom will advance to the degree that you're growing as a son and daughter in the love of the Father and that you are preparing yourself, honing your skill, identifying your assignment in the kingdom. Those two things, when they collide, boom, the kingdom of God comes. And it's a powerful and a glorious thing. And it will take the rest of your life to do those two things. Don't assume that you've matured to the point of in your sonship that you're done. You sh- you, for the rest of your life, you'll be discovering who you are as a son. Because for the rest of your life, you'll be discovering who he is as a father. You'll be discovering the infinite measure of his love. And it will continue to change you year after year after year. The depth of your maturity in sonship will be growing. And as a result, you'll become more confident, more secure, more clear on your assignment. And and that's how things change in the earth. If you were not with us before we changed the name of our church from Freedom Church to Antioch, there were three very important speakers who came. And I felt like part of my assignment this morning is just to connect the dots from September till now, because a lot of times it's when you're just looking at things uh, on a week to week basis, it's kind of hard to really see the forest from all of those things. And so we want to put all these things together. When Alamu Biftu came in the beginning of September, he spoke to us about our prophetic destiny. And the idea that I want to make sure that we connect here is that our prophetic destiny, our prophetic destiny, in other words, our assignment in the kingdom, both corporately and individually, flows out of our identity. Okay? So we cannot bypass identity. We cannot uh, forego the difficult work of defining who we are individually and corporately and expect for our assignment and our prophetic destiny to come forth. It's it's essential because our authority and our destiny flow out of our identity. This is one of the reasons why the past eight weeks we've been focusing on establishing a foundation of identity here in Antioch Church. Let me also explain to you a little bit of my philosophy on teaching. I know it's a little bit counter to uh, how some churches out there approach sermon series. Um, there's, There's essentially two approaches to sermon series in most Western churches today. Uh, One of those being what we call topical, and the other of those being um, expository preaching. Expository preaching is very much verse by verse. Let's let's take one book of the Bible and spend the entire year of it, or let's let's take multiple uh, books and let's just go verse by verse. And there's great strengths to that, especially from a didactic doctrinal perspective. The topical approach very much is let's, let's identify uh, a number of key topics this year that we want to hone in on and we want to focus the church in and, and let's, let's hit those topics from a broad stroke. Uh, we take a very topical approach, but uh, we take more of an inductive approach in, in, in the topical um, scope of things. And the reason why that is is because I, I personally have a hard time thinking that uh, any of us could go into any topic in depth in four weeks whatever that topic may be. I mean, you pick a topic, whether it's prayer. I mean, we could spend an entire year in prayer, really, before we extract all the riches and the revelation of, of what prayer has to hold for us. Uh, that's why we've spent the, the past six months talking about kingdom community. And, and truly, we could have taken longer on that. And so our job isn't just to introduce some ideas. Our, our job really is to take concepts and unpack them for a while until they get in us because the goal is incarnation. 
The goal isn't that just we're exposed to ideas. The goal is that we, we become the truth. John 1.14, the word became truth. So our goal is that when we hear the truth, we sit in it, we think about it, we interact with it. It's one of the reasons why the focus of our discussion in life groups is the message. Or else what we're doing is we're setting you up for, for failure. The reason why I say that is because the scripture says that we're not just to take a look at the word and forget about it. We're to look intently into the perfect law that gives liberty. That's James chapter one. Do not be deceived. Do not be hearers of the word only. Be doers of the truth. And the way that happens is by sitting on something long enough to where it becomes a part of who you are. And, and that's what we want to have happen here. So all that being said, when, when Apostle Alamu spoke to us about identity, let me just interpret that for you. Uh, Antioch Church exists, our identity is to establish people in their identity and to establish people in their assignment. Very simple. Uh, something I haven't mentioned in this series is that God's answer to the problems of the world is a son. I want you to think about that for a second. Let that settle in. God's answer to every problem is a son and a daughter. I understand if you've not been with us for a while that when I say son, I'm using the, the, the neutral, uh, the gender neutral uh, word there. His answer is someone who is growing in the spirit of sonship. God's answer to the problem of sin that took place in the garden in Genesis chapter three, when man rebelled and sinned against God, God's answer to that was a son. It wasn't a law, it was a son. Think about that. God's answer to poverty is a son. God's answer to illiteracy, God's answer to the economic crisis, God's answer to nations that don't know who he is, it's a son, it's a daughter. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter four, Paul is speaking to the, to the Corinthian church there and he says, I long to be with you. And in, there in verse 17, he says, listen, you know that you've had a thousand teachers, you've had a thousand instructors, but you've not had many fathers. You've not had many fathers in the spirit. And he says, by the spirit, I become a father to you. And then this is what he says. He says, I know things there in Corinth are not in order. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna send a son. I'm gonna send Timothy. Why is that? Because God's answer to every problem in the earth is always a son. A fully mature and a fully maturing son is the answer to the problems of the earth. So Alamu's message there was essentially that all of, all of who we are will flow out of the strength of our identity. So the changing of our name was not just the changing of an external label. It was the revealing of an identity that we had become and that we are becoming. For the past three years since the church has been since, since the church has been under our leadership, the church has been going through this metamorphosis whereby now, this year in 2013, all we did is we said, let's put a name on the transformation that's been happening for the past three years. Us, us changing the name from Antioch or from freedom to Antioch was not us saying, let's become Antioch. No, no, it was us saying, we are already this, so we're just naming the change that we've become. Understand that? It is our identity. Let's not get caught up in labels. The second important speaker that came was a man by the name of Dennis Peacock. And he came and he spoke on a Sunday night. And, and here's the summary of what he said. All this is going somewhere. Follow me. He said, what God is building at Antioch will take all of us. It will take all of us. And he says, it will even take burned stones. Because the kingdom of God is built 
by the we, not just by the me. It's important for us to understand that because in our Western culture, we're conditioned to hear things on an individual perspective. So when we hear a message or we hear a word or a prophetic word, our natural inclination is to is to project that upon how that touches or affects our life. In the Eastern culture, in the Hebrew culture, when they would hear something, they would automatically assume that every word or every prophetic word was something that was spoken to the we. And so this is something that we're going to have to become conscious of because it's not something that we, it's not a cultural mindset that we've, that has been built into us. And I think it's a very important message that Apostle Dennis came and he shared with us that what God is building at Antioch will take all of us. Yesterday, as I was just chewing on some things and meditating on some things and listening to all these messages from the past seven weeks, the, the phrase came to my mind, when you hear something about Antioch Church, do you think them or do you think us? And I know that for some of you who've just joined us on your journey, it's probably them and that's okay. Our goal, our heart, our hope is if God has planted you here, if God has appointed you to be here, and that's a biblical concept, that you'll begin seeing Antioch as more of an us, not a them. You'll begin seeing it more of as a, as, as, as a we, not a they. And to the degree that that happens, to the degree that that kingdom community begins to assimilate itself into your heart and into your life, great things can happen because the kingdom of God is built by we. It's not just built by me. It's not just built by you individually. Um, the concept of burned stones that Apostle Dennis mentioned, I just want to, I just want to acknowledge that. I want to say uh, our city, um, there are many people in our city who have undergone many difficult things as it relates to church, as it relates to Christianity. In fact, our last guest luncheon, it was, that was very pronounced to me that uh, there, we are moving into a season, I believe, as a house where you will, some of you guys who've been here for a while, you'll begin seeing people who used to be a part of Freedom Church or Springs Harvest Fellowship, or even far back as Mountain Shadows, you'll see them come back. Or you'll, 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 you'll see for a season, I think what's, what's happening, and I believe this is all strategic, for a season we will see that there are many people who are coming that have been hurt from other churches. And that's not, a, that's not an accusation on any church. Listen, life in, the, life in community comes with its risks. <laughs> and, and God knows that many people have left this place because of our own place in the growth journey and of our own insufficiencies and immaturities, that happens. Uh, not that that becomes an excuse for us to abuse people. That just becomes a truth that we acknowledge that says, please forgive us. We, we, we want to do better. And if we will be committed, we can walk through a road of recovery and healing together. That's the heart behind that. Um, and I say all that to say that I'm not exactly sure what to do with burn stones, but to love them and embrace them. And I want to say that to you as a church, when you see people that you haven't seen for years uh, or you've seen people that you know are from different churches, um, embrace them. Just love them. Embrace them. None of us knows where uh, anybody has really been in their, in, in their own journey. None of us really knows. None of us have walked in the shoes of another person. And so for us to, to judge someone's experience uh, would be wrong. And scripture speaks against that. So what we need to do with those who... who identify themselves or maybe don't even know that they're burn stones, just love them, embrace them, champion them. I believe what, what is happening is, is, is all of these people, and we're talking about people who've been grounded in truth and been grounded in the faith for years, all of these people are ready to disciple harvest. They really are. 
So I, I am seeing more clearly that perhaps as we move into 2014, there's gonna be another wave of healing and restoration that comes to a lot of broken people to prepare them for their assignment to disciple harvest. I believe that. that there are assignments that are hanging on people's lives. I, um, I met with a couple this week, just an incredible couple. Just had such a, a, a difficult time uh, in, in one, of, one of their churches. And I didn't, I didn't explain all this to them, but they're probably like, why are you, we're not even crying. Why are you crying right now? I just felt so overcome by the fact, the truth, that there were many people in our house and in our city who have been so hurt by the church. And it just, I felt like I was scratching on a little bit of the heart of, the, heart of God on that. And I want this to be a house that heals the broken because of the destiny and the incredible gifts and anointings that are just hanging in people's hearts and in their lives. Oh, there's, there's um, please don't, don't give up on your anointing. And, and what I wanna to say to you today as well is, uh, if you find yourself here today and you're searching and you're looking, um, I know that we've touched on a lot of things in our series on consumer Christianity and crisis and convenience and all those things, but I believe your heart is a heart that is seeking to find a place of restoration so that your gifts can be reactivated and used for the glory of the King. And I, and I say, that is our prayer. That is my heart for you. My heart is that you will come alive again. Don't abandon what's in, what God has put inside of you. And whether that's here in this community of faith or whether that's someone else, I wanna I want appeal to you. Don't give up on the church and don't give up on your place in the church and in the kingdom because all of those things I mentioned are valuable and you are an important part of them. And I believe I'm speaking by the heart of God this morning. The next speaker that spoke was a gal by the name of Cindy Jacobs. And she did a, a very great gift to, to us and to me. She laid out my sermon series for the next 12 years. And I, I'm, in, I'm indebted to her for that. She, she spoke on, through the book of Acts, chapter 11 and chapter 13, 12 marks of an Antioch church. And for those of you who weren't with us, let me just reference those. Number one, the Antioch church was led by the Spirit. Check. I love how she just went, just went through, check, 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 check. And when I heard that, it became so confirming and so clarifying to me. My God, this is who we are. This, this is who we are. The Antioch church had the gifts of the Holy Spirit flowing freely. Uh, are we there completely? Absolutely not. Do, do, are we hungry for more of that? Yes, we are. I want all of the demonstrations of the gifts of God's Spirit flowing in maturity, in balance, in order. Uh, I don't believe that Freedom and the gifts of the Spirit and order have to contradict each other. I don't believe that freedom and the gifts of the Spirit and, and, uh, uh, and control, have. I don't, I don't believe that those two things are synonymous. I don't believe those things have to go together. You understand what I'm saying? In your life groups, it's a great place to practice in a safe environment. Uh, I'm dreaming and I believe that we're gonna start seeing and I just wanna prophesy this over your lives. I believe you will start seeing the gift of healing and the gift of uh, 
prophecy and the gift of faith and the gift of miracles. I believe you'll start seeing those where you work, with your neighbors, with uh, the friends at your school, uh, with complete strangers that you meet, wherever it is that your daily path takes you. I believe that will happen because I believe that's the kingdom way. And I believe that evangelism really becomes exciting and adventurous and fun when we realize we've been given all of these weapons and we've been given all of these tools to display and demonstrate the beauty and the power of the kingdom of God. And I'm dreaming about that. I believe that this is gonna be a house that will help to activate and launch you into those things and celebrate those things with you. This is not the only environment the gifts of the spirit are to be uh, released and experienced in. Your environment is waiting for the demonstration of the gifts of the spirit. Your environment, your home, prophesy over your children, get a word for them, prophesy over your spouses, uh, over your neighbors. I believe that this is where the Lord is taking us. Number three, she says that Antioch was a place where the fivefold offices were functioning within the life of the church. We'll teach on that. We'll explain what that means. I, I, I hinted on it a little bit last week relative just to the teaching component, uh, but that's all of life. You are called to be an apostolic, prophetic, pastoral, teaching, evangelistic people. You may be predominant in one of those, but the kingdom represents all of those. And so I'm believing that you'll bring the healing, comfort, nurturing component of the pastoral office, but I'm also believing that you'll bring the sound doctrinal truth of God into your culture, while I'm also believing that you'll bring the now prophetic reality of God into every conversation and situation that you're in. I believe that the apostolic anointing will be on you to build businesses, to build your family, to build governments, to build schools, to, to build your home. To, to, I believe that. I believe that's what a kingdom church is supposed to do and it's supposed to activate. Number four, the Antioch church was a church of all races and socioeconomic walks of life. Um, that thrills my heart. Uh, I, just this past Thursday night, I was with a, um, with a family and they were referencing their experience in Las Vegas. And this gal said, man, uh, when we first came to Freedom Church, it was a little odd for us because I looked around and I thought, I'm the only brown person in this room and the church, the International Church of Las Vegas, the Vegas, they had Peruvians, they had Hispanics, they had Africans, they had Asians. It was just littered with all of the, the nations of the world. And uh, I'm dreaming about that. I believe that's what the Antioch of then was. I believe that's what the Antioch of now will be. And so uh, to all of our ethnicities, and you know, we're all ethnic in some way or another. I just say, I bless, I bless who you are and the unique... Uh, flavor that you bring to this family. I say it's essential. I say it's beautiful. I say it's necessary. I say don't hold back on the flavor of who you are uh, as, as, as an ethnically diverse person. I say bring it, bring it on, bring it more, more of it. From the, from the food to the worship, to, to, the, to, to the prophetic words, to the shouting amen, to the, to the dancing, to whatever it is. Bring it, we, we love you, we want you, we need you, all right? Amen. Number five, Antioch Church was a teaching and sending center. And that's one of the things that I've just been honing in on here for the past seven weeks is let's begin this with a, a solid plumb line, a solid foundation uh, of truth. Number six, uh, Antioch was a radical, it was a radical people. 
the believers were first called Christians. They were so distinct. They were so unique. They were so set apart. They had to create a new word to put on those people because they were so radical. And Antioch Church, I say you're radical people. You are, you're radical people. You are radical people of faith. You are radical people of faith. You are radical people of love. The life of God is radical inside of you. The kingdom of God is radical inside of you. It is extravagant. It is extraordinary. It is supernatural. You were called and created to be supernatural people, to lead the culture in in, in a radical way of God. And I bless you towards that end. Number seven, it was ascending church. Number eight, it was a church of leaders. Number nine, it was a church that affected the whole region. Number 10, it was a gathering church. And number 12, where's 11 at? I have to go back and, well, I have to go back and find 11. I have, I have, I have giving as number 12. Transformational. Thank you. <laughs> People are falling along. It is a church that takes notes. Come on. <laughs> I love it. So why, why do I reference all of these things? Because all of those three prophetic words that came into the house helped shape the past seven weeks of messages that we've been on. And, and what I wanna do is I wanna, again, string these last seven weeks together now and just say, okay, boom, this is exactly what we've been trying to do. So as we started off our series on discovering Antioch, we said that our purpose for existence is to establish people in their identity, taking that that prophetic mandate from Apostle Alamu. And it's to equip people for their assignment in the kingdom. It's to, it's to get you ready. That's everything I've just read that, that Cindy mentioned there. That was a kingdom people that changed the world. They changed the world. It's, it's no accident that just a few chapters later, it was referenced in the book of Acts chapter 17. They said, these guys have turned the world upside down and now they've come here. Well, when we look at who the Antioch church was, we can understand, oh, how could you not change the world? How, how, could, how could a kingdom church that is building those kinds of people not change the world? How could that happen? Well, it's a natural byproduct. It's a natural byproduct. So if, if as we continue to put our eyes on these different things with a Christocentric focus, being bled by his spirit, with the life and the presence of God's spirit in our midst, in all of our gatherings, small and large, I believe that as we put our eyes on these things that I just read out, I believe we will change the world in all of our unique, various respective parts of the world that we're in. So uh, key thought number one or key point number one was the reason why Antioch Church exists is to establish people in a firm foundation of sonship and to equip them for assignment in the kingdom. I want to reference again the verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. Ephesians 4, verse 12 says that the fivefold offices exist to do one thing and one thing alone, and that's to prepare you for your work of service. To prepare God's people for works of service in the kingdom of God. So the body of God, the body of Christ may be strong. My hope and my prayer is that however long your journey is with us, on a localized aspect, that you would walk away from this time with us and you would say, I am a, I am a better son, I am a deeper daughter, and I, I am more clear and I am more effective and I am more potent and powerful in my assignment in the kingdom. Things should be, things should be coming alive in you all the time. If, 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 this, if, if 
We are to be who God has called us to be. Things should be activating in you. Things should be awakening in you. Revelation should be coming to you. Uh, hunger should be growing inside of you. Things should be coming alive inside of you all the time. In your small group, in your one-on-one -on -one meetings, in your time alone with God here in the corporate environment, things should be coming alive in you all the time. If we're to be Ephesians chapter four, verse 12 people. As we do this in the context of kingdom community, we will see our mission fulfilled, which is to awaken, equip, and send people to transform cities, regions, and nations. The kingdom of God is transformational. Where the kingdom of God goes, things change. It is inevitable. And our heart is to see people's lives awakened. I love one of my favorite things as a pastor of this house is to have conversations with people and them to tell me, you know, it wasn't until, in fact, in fact, with our next wave of life group leaders, we met on Thursday night. We just, I just sat down hearing their stories. And one after one, they just began to say, we were dead. We went to such and such place for years. We were in the church world for years and we were dead. We were, we were the walking dead. And we came here and things began to come alive inside of us. Our hearts were awakened. Our hearts were awakened to God in a new way. And I say, win, that's a win. That's points on the board right there. And then hearing them say, we're, we're getting equipped. We're, we're growing in the prophetic. We're growing in the apostolic. We're growing in hearing from God. We're growing in truth. We're growing in prayer. We're growing in, and I say, that's, that's points on the board. And now when I hear life groups banding together and they're adopting different causes and needs in our community, uh, when I hear of single moms who are plugged into life group communities and, and, and the night before she has to move, the, the, the entire life group says, we're gonna pull together and we're gonna help that gal out. I say, that's that's points on the board. Uh, when I hear life groups going and they're saying, oh, there's a widow in our community that doesn't know Christ and her land needs to be cleared. Hey, life group, let's do something about that. They're being sent out to bring transformation. I go, that's points on the board. And, and as, as we continue to grow as a family of believers, this mission of awakening, equipping, and sending people to transform lives and to transform nations will happen. It is happening. It is just beginning. It is just beginning. Imagine, imagine, dream with me if you would, all these things I just referenced 20 years from now. If we keep our hearts pure, if we keep our hearts humble, imagine 20 years from now, if we don't let bitterness and division and jadedness and cynicism creep into our hearts. Imagine if we start seeing harvest come in and we're discipling with the truth of the kingdom 20 years from now, 40 years from now, what will our city look like? What will it look like? When we're planning churches around the world, what will it look like? I want you to dream with me on these things because you're a very important part of that. You're a very, very important part of that. Number two, let me, just, let me also just reference this because this is very important. Um, our corporate identity is a byproduct of our individual identity. The change from Freedom Church to Antioch was not just the change of a label. It was a manifestation of our identity. And the reason why I'm saying that this is so important is because as, as, we, as we lay the foundation for Antioch Church is, the individual affects the corporate. Okay, your, your pursuit of truth, your pursuit of sonship, your pursuit of the love of God, your pursuit of God in the secret place affects, it's, if we're living stones, as First Peter says, if we're living stones, then everything you're doing in private affects the spiritual organism of Antioch Church. Ideas have consequences. Private decisions have consequences. Your pursuit has consequences. Your hunger for God, you're letting God speak into your life and, and, and uh, grow you has consequences on this body. And this body has consequences around the world. 
It really does. And so I say that to admonish you. I say that to exhort you. In your life, go after God. In your life, let him awaken you and equip you. Let him ground you. Let him love you. Let him establish you because it affects the living organism of this house. Your actions are exponentially multiplied in the spirit. Number two, the idea that we wanted to communicate in the past seven weeks is that developing a corporate identity as Antioch Church is predicated upon having a clear understanding of biblical Christianity. To summarize, we cannot be a Christian church as the Bible defines Christian if we don't understand what Christian is in our own lives as the Bible defines Christian. That's why our discussion on church and our discussion on truth was so essential uh, to the foundation of Antioch Church. A couple of key presuppositions here that I laid out that I wanna make sure that we understand as we move off of this series is that our primary responsibility as a church is to announce and to establish and to advance God's kingdom on this earth. It's not to grow a big church. It's not to be famous. It's not to be popular. It's not to have fun. It's not just to have great friendships. It is to change the world. It is to bring God's kingdom into every sphere and every arena of society. That's what, that is why we exist. That's why God has put us on this planet. We are to be the immune system of society. We are to be the custodian of society. We are to be the servant of society, the protector and the liberator of society because as it says in Romans 8, the earth is crying out for the sons of God to be revealed because only sons and daughters can bring the kingdom. In other words, the earth is groaning. Uh, The economy, the government, the education system, the arts and, and media and entertainment, all of those things, they're saying we must have the kingdom and sons and daughters are the ones who carry the kingdom. So sons and daughters, would you please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. Amen. Amen. That's so good. Is your Christian, you can, you can sit down. You can stand up and you can go charge the hill after the service. Key thoughts here is, is your Christianity shaping your worldview or is your worldview shaping your Christianity? The mind justifies what the heart has chosen and ideas have consequences. As I just book in the past seven weeks, really the past 10 weeks, we say this is foundation stone one of discovering Antioch. Um, where we go from here, it's gonna be a fun ride. It really is. And uh, as we move towards the end of the year, I'm excited to share with you vision for 2014. What I can share with you right now is but beginning next week, we'll continue discovering who Antioch is as we start a new series called A Heritage of Compassion. There was a phrase that jumped out at me on one of the worldview books that I was reading called Discipling Nations. And the, the premise of that book was that Christianity and the kingdom have been the primary developer of nations for all of history. All of history, from medicine, technology, science, education, government, civilization, Christianity has been the forerunner in developing nations. And one of the things that's primary to that is, as the author said, our heritage of compassion. Our heritage of compassion. Many people don't know that Christianity has led the way in acts of service and acts of compassion to the world, to the world. And so we're gonna talk next week. We're gonna begin a series on a heritage of compassion as we move into the holidays, as we move into the Christmas season. My hope and my prayer is that over the next six weeks, we will experience some of the most tangible demonstrations of compassion through our lives to the people in our community on both corporate and individual levels. 
uh, think about the neighbors that are around you. And I want you to think Thanksgiving and Christmas are prime opportunities to break the ice of relationship, prime opportunities. Christy and I, for our neighbors, we're gonna put them together, little Thanksgiving baskets, and we're just gonna, we're gonna go and we're gonna just say, hey, bless you guys. And we're just salting the relationship. Look for excuses to connect with people. Look for opportunities to connect with people. Uh, start something, create something, join in on something because you are a people that have been destined to display the compassion of God to the earth. And so we're gonna, we're, I'm excited. We're gonna talk about that. We do have a Christmas Eve service. Um, we started a tradition of that three years ago. Uh, when I became pastor here, we're gonna continue that tradition. It's, it's one of my favorite nights of the year with our hot cocoa bar and just kind of celebrating around the birth of our savior. And uh, we are also gonna have an, a New Year's Eve service. Again, something we began three years ago. We take uh, the hours of 8 p.m. to midnight and we just bring in the new year fasting and well, praying and worshiping and seeking the Lord. And I, 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 still, I still have so many direction points from that time being in this room, just sitting for four hours, gazing at God, praying, seeking, and finding that direction. And I, 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 uh, I attribute so much of 2013 to that night and to our fast, which leads me into my final point. Uh, our 21-day fast in January will begin on the 7th, Tuesday the 7th, and we'll go from the 7th through the 27th. And... Uh, Becca Greenwood will be with us the first Sunday of January, laying out for us the prophetic word of the year uh, from her time with ACPE. So that's what you can expect roughly in the next, what, six to nine weeks. And then once we hit February, we'll continue just mapping out some foundational components of Antioch Church, taking some of those 12 things that we just referenced and just going a little bit deeper with those. So who's ready for pie? Let's all stand up. Let's all stand up.